Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. From lagers to pastry stouts, the taproom experience, changing the culture around beer, and talking about underrated styles, I'm excited to welcome four brewing professionals from around the country onto the show this week to talk about the year that was and the new one that could be. But first, we're able to bring you this show each week thanks to these sponsors. Athletic Brewing Company's innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to gold nails and more, they offer a full selection of beers starting at only 50 calories. Now you can keep your head clear and enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime, anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. New customers can also get 10% off of their entire order with the code BEEREDGE10, limit one per customer. We're also brought to you by Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy-to-use design tool, low-quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code DRINKBEER15 for 15% off your first order. And NZ Hops a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. With a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations, the current day master growers proudly provide 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd to learn more. Wine Enthusiast Magazine released its top 50 beers of the year list earlier this week. I'm the contributing editor for beer on those pages, and you should give it a look if you haven't already. It's on winemag.com, and there you can also subscribe to that magazine, which, of course, you should. It's wine dominant, of course, but it also has great food, spirits, and travel coverage, as well as great wine coverage. In thinking about the list and all the beers I was lucky enough to taste on the blind panels this year, I wanted to bring together some brewery industry folks, those who are on the list, for a chat about the year that was and what they see as the current state of beer. So my guests are Lisa Allen. She's the head brewer of Heater Allen in McMinnville, Oregon. Jude LaRose of Hop Butcher for the World in Illinois. Matthew Steinberg, he's the head brewer and founder of Exhibit A Brewing in Framingham, Massachusetts, and Cambria Griffith. She is the director of marketing at Radiant Beer Co. in Anaheim, California. This quickly turned into a fun back and forth between them, sharing stories about shared experiences, unique challenges, and a shared fondness of baked goods. Here's our conversation. All right, so Lisa, I want to start with you, if that's okay, as... 2021 starts to come to a close. Did lager in the craft space have its best year ever? Oh man. I mean, yeah, I think it, it keeps on getting a little bit better. I think that, um, when 2020 hit and, you know, you had a lot of breweries that just had to close their doors. It gave people a little bit more time to actually brew some lagers, maybe (laughs) sit on stuff a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that people are starting to um, learn more about different styles. The fact that we 
sold out out of our doom goal like really fast is kind of like how fast you know, a, good, really fast. a good sign well i mean we sold out of it probably within like a week or two like we had no more cases left in the brewery so um uh yeah it's it was it's never really a style that's <laughs> super popular um it's kind of like a brewer's one of those brewer's styles where like brewers love it but um the public really doesn't but the fact that you know we um sold out of it as fast as we did i think kind of shows that there's demand for it there's demand for different styles of lager so um yeah i'll i'll throw it out to matthew cambry or jude were there any beers that your brewery has released this year that you went through faster than you anticipated almost in the same way that lisa's saying with her dunkel Um, I, I can stab at that. Sure, yes. Um, we make a seasonal beer, uh, called cake and we, you know, we brewed like a couple batches last year, a couple or two years ago, maybe one batch the year before that. I mean, it's a silly beer. It's like a amber ale with coffee and coffee cake in it. Literally there's coffee <laughs> cake in the mash. I apologize yeah. to all the mm. people that yeah. understand how terrible that is. Um, <laughs> But uh, it's a fun one. I have a friend who's in the coffee cake business, so we use his coffee cakes. Um, but we made like four times as much this year, and it's gone. It's like already gone, and it's gotten all this like nice little accolades and write-ups. And we don't have we have like a case and a half left at the brewery, um, and it's pretty much out of market at this point. So that was a surprise. Um, you know, pastry beer. Who would have thought? I, it 2021 keeps surprising. <laughs> I do have some surprises as well. Yeah. Um, so, and they're two like opposite beers. So this is great. And it makes even less sense. Um, one of them is actually the only beer we decided we would do a rebrew of and have pretty regularly available. And that's our blank slate wit beer. So wit beers, I mean, in the, more craft beer geeky heavy space not typically a big mover but definitely a good one for more of the wholesale kind of gateway beer space and that beer has done well for a wit beer we were surprised to see the movement i mean i was pleasantly surprised because i was championing this idea but it did move and we're still brewing it we actually are working on some new um different like changing up the spicing a little bit to give it a little bit of a refresh and get it more into a space of what we like. We like what it is, but we can always do even more. So that I mean, was a good surprise. Yeah. That's one of them. Did what you have a question other? about that? Yeah. Oh yeah. What? Go for it. <laughs> the other one um, was one we did pretty early on as a draft only just small kind of specialty treatment. It's also a pastry stout style beer um it was called crazy squares and it's the cinnamon toast crunch stout that we did that went on in february i know <laughs> i hear like small laughing that's yeah <laughs> um, that the audio on... square the audio squares on zoom are just bouncing from box to box as you're saying this uh, picking up on me <laughs> on the yeah. friendly chuckles i mean i'm more thinking that uh uh you and steinberg are gonna have to get together for uh, a bi-coastal pastry collaboration now <laughs> exactly because as you were talking about to, to jump topics already again um 
as you were talking about the coffee cake beer, we did one too. And it was also a big hit and I loved it. Do, do, you, um, have, I, do you also have a friend in the coffee cake business? Because no, that, don't. that to me is, is one of my favorite sentences that's been said yes. on the show all year long. I got a friend totally. in the coffee cake industry. He's that's a like, mogul. <laughs> <laughs> that's obviously going to be the beer name. Um, yeah. <laughs> coffee, coffee cake, cake mogul. mogul. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, we did do a coffee cake beer that was delicious. And the most fun part was um, taking some pictures of it and throwing coffee cake all over the place. And my dog trying to eat the coffee beans. And it was just messy as hell and going everywhere and trying to jam that into a crazy day. But anyway, we did have a coffee cake treatment, super yum. Um, and then Crazy Squares was the one that we released it when we had our first kind of iteration one of many of getting opened because it was COVID times. Um, so it was last February. And I think it part of the excitement was definitely that we had just been able to open outdoor patio for people to come in and taste some stuff. Um, but it was also a delicious beer. And Andrew Bell, our director of brewing operations, had dabbled in doing some cinnamon toast crunch projects prior when we all worked together at the brewery in Placentia. And I remember the day he was doing that, all that, that huge palette of cinnamon toast crunch rolling through the brewery. We're all excited about it, but something didn't work out ultimately in that brew. So it never was realized on tap. So having this one on tap when we opened was kind of like a coming full circle moment for us. People were really happy to try it. And then people just loved it and still ask about it almost a year later. Jude, I feel like some of this, uh, uh, what Matthew and Cambridge just said, uh, sort of is teeing up one of your latest beers that just came out. So we're talking about Imperial Stout with mint. Yes, yes that's, that's what I was alluding to. But not coffee cake. But not but coffee not, cake. It's it's delicious. Coffee cake. delicious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mid, growing the, up. The Midwest needs to, to really get in on the coffee cake game, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> growing, growing up, it always felt like there was uh, there was a thing of Entenmann's coffee cake on my Nana's table. I feel I don't know if that's a oh yeah nineteen eighties nineteen nineties thing, but I feel like coffee cake as a kid was was everywhere. You had to have coffee cake if people came over. It's uh, it's still a big thing in my family when certain people come over. You have to run to the Entenmann store. Uh, we have an outlet not too far from us, and they uh, uh, you go and you get the coffee cake for them. It's uh, it's important. It's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so we are, um, we're from Chicago or we're from the suburbs of Chicago and a lot of, a lot of our branding or a lot of our names, um, or inspiration or lanes that we drive, uh, we drive through when it comes to naming beers are focused on, on Chicago. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of cool food and a lot of cool brands and traditions here. So we had originally, um, approach Garrett's popcorn, um, which is a popcorn maker around here. That's, that's in the airport and also has, um, shops throughout the city. So really good popcorn and a Chicago brand. And we initially approached them, um, just to kind of explore possibilities of, of putting our heads together, um, and just doing something. I mean, half acre has collabed with Vienna beef here. Um, first on just a pop-up where hot dogs were served, um, but then they they brewed a beer called Only Gold, which was was I guess like a mustard inspired, um, mm-hmm. you know, Chicagoans uh, jokingly don't put ketchup on their hot dogs. Um, so I think like just like pairing with 
uh, an iconic Chicago brand. So we learned that they, uh, the Frango Mint brand is a brand under, uh, under like the Garrett popcorn umbrella or the Garrett umbrella. So the tradition here is the old Marshall Field stores downtown. Um, you could go, uh, they had all the big window displays around the holidays. So usually all the families made the trip into the city and, and looked, uh, looked in the windows and they, then they'd go up and they'd go up to the walnut room and they'd, you know, they'd grab a bite to eat and they'd go in the basement and then they'd pick up Frango mints and Frango mints uh, were sold at Marshall Field. So that was kind of like a holiday tradition. So long story short, um, they said, you know, we have some Frango mint oil that we use in the chocolates that we could contribute. And, and you know, naturally our mind went to uh, Imperial Stout. So this well, sure. week, yeah, we released a 10.5% Imperial Stout with uh, chocolate and with, uh, with Frango mints. So it's been cool to see uh, people saying nothing's, you know, more iconic uh, than these two Chicago things. So it's just cool to be associated with, uh, with traditions uh, that have existed for generations, you know? Lisa, are you feeling wildly uncomfortable right now as a maker of traditional <laughs> lagers? Yeah, I was just thinking, I was like, I have not put anything in my mash, in my mash tun or my boil kettle, except for, you know, hops. <laughs> Would you, is there anything similar to what like Jude was saying, like traditional, or uh, if you have a friend in the, uh, the baked, baked goods mafia, um, <laughs> it, it, is there, is there anything beyond the norm that you could ever imagine putting in one of your beers? Um, not really, just because I feel like that's not true to our brand yeah. and like what we do. Um and also just to be perfectly honest, I would have no idea where to start with doing something like that because I just have no experience. Um, and I feel and it's one of those situations of like leaving it to the people that know how to do it well, <laughs> rather than, you know, taking a stab at it myself. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think um, I think I mean. Not that I would ever have any plans, but I think I would probably maybe at some point do like a fruit or like a, some sort of, you know, vegetable matter, but, <laughs> um, I, I don't really have any desire to, cause like I said, I think it's, I think other people do it well and I don't think we need to. And then also it's just kind of not true to our brand. Yeah. So, yeah. When. When you guys, Matthew, because I know you have a pretty diverse portfolio. So when you guys do a coffee cake beer and it gets people through the door for the first time, it gets the you know the beer curious because they're coming in expecting to taste something like coffee cake. And Cambry, I'm, I'm curious about this as well for you, but um, it gets the newcomers walking through the door. Are you able then to steer folks towards year-round beers in your lineup or can, can you snag new customers yeah i i think absolutely i mean we you know our, our tap room is is definitely focused on the beers that we care deeply about within our portfolio and i think you know not to say we don't care about cake but um <laughs> <laughs> um i love the band um sure and so we you know we go right to kolsch i mean and John and I have spoken about this beer yeah. multiple times and that's the beer we lead with. And so if someone comes in the door and is like, I heard about cake, we're like, that's cool. Yeah. It's right here. You should try it. And then we, sh and then we 
go right into our whole thing, which is, you, you know, our, this is what we do. Goody Two Shoes Kolsch is, is the beer that we kind of, uh, you know, lead with that conversation. Certainly if they're asking for hops, they go to the, the IPAs, which there's always, you know, two or three available. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, I don't know that it's that common necessarily in our world that people would just show up to the brewery for it. Um, although that does happen, uh, we did get a bunch of calls after some article came out a couple weeks ago, um, for, you know, for, for, you know, delivery and for, you know, getting, uh, getting four packs shipped in the mail to people out of state, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, I, I, I do think anytime someone enters our door, whether it's for something special like that. Um, they're still going to leave with a four pack of goody tissues. I mean, and if they don't, they, they basically just be told not to come back. It's <laughs> terrible customer service. That's how you do it <laughs> no, no, of course, of course they, uh, you know, we, we just, we really want to tell, you know, share our passions for the beers that we put all of this work and effort and resources into, and, you know, our core portfolios is really about that. Cameron, are you doing, is, is there something similar for you though, if people are coming in for cinnamon toast crunch or coffee cake or whatever, are they leaving with IPA? Yeah, I would echo that those comments. Um, we're a little different because we don't have, we have that one year round, the wit beer and everything else is a one-off, yeah. everything. So the beers are flying, but people can count on we'll likely have certain styles available in four packs to go. Um, so we do see, you know, people will hear about these wacky treatments we have, delicious treatments we have. They'll come in for that. I would wager a lot of the times it's gone or long gone if they heard about it from far away. <laughs> so they'll come in missing it, but we'll have other options available on draft as specialties that they can get in crawlers. And then um, most people do leave with a four pack or something else. That's also a talking point that our tasting room staff uh, does with every transaction, reminding yeah. people we have those four packs, especially because our layout's a little funky if you if you miss those. Um, so yeah, it does it does help. I just feel bad when it's like, oh, we had crazy squares and you came from you're visiting from Texas and you made it. And yeah, we definitely don't have it. But here's something else. Yeah. Um, you know, John, I was going to yeah, say we our bread and butter um, is is always happy. So whether it's fermented with London three or it's fermented with American ale yeast, um, it's, it's usually hops um, and we'll pick our spots, uh, whether it's because we have time or because we felt like we've built up enough, uh, you know, equity within the month or, or two months that we could kind of uh, zig or zag. Um, but I think like in the end, we're, we're at our best or we're at least hoping where they're, they're not like, we're not just creating fans of one beer, but I guess like of a, like an overall perspective when it comes to beer or that, you know, like some type of emotional connection is being developed with the brewery so that it's whatever beer comes out, you know, you're a fan of it. And I think that, you know, especially what I think when we see more people drinking lager, it's, you know, you sometimes hear like, well, I can't have more than one or two or three of these things, um, uh, which could be true. And I mean, I think for a lot of different style, like when it comes to hazy IPA, I think that, you know, there's some that 
maybe it's one and done, but there's some that you can have multiple from, but I just think yeah. that whether it's, it, you know, whether it's lager beer or anything with drinkability, I think it just shows that like more and more people are, are, you know, into drinking beer and, and drinking lots of beer and then maybe going back to nuance or maybe like learning uh, more about it, everyday ingredients that way we, we may be looking over, you know, or, or passing up um, and just kind of like diving in, into that. So, you know, while we'll make seven and a half percent double IPA, we started off the year with, we had some time. So we brewed, uh, you know, 30 barrels of lager that was called double sots. Um, and it was just a play on, you know, we're going to, this is going to be a lager beer that has two types of sots. So it's going to have sots and super sots. Or, so you can see like this one expression, you know, just of, of that, or we got our hands or we heard through like Stan, we saw Stan Hieronymus say something about elixir, a French hop that was coming from the French hop growing region. And we had a multiplier come in, um, where we could get Pilsner malt from the Champagne region of France. So we thought, you know, wouldn't it be rad if we could combine French hops and, you know, French, um, and French malt, um, in, in a lager beer. And, and you're hoping that, you know, people, people trust us, what we do with, with, with hops in our perspective. And then they follow us, um, to that beer as well. And they find that they enjoy that. And then, you know, from there, uh, you know, they kind of just kind of expand their horizons. I want to touch on something Jude said too. Um, yeah. So, and I want to hear what other people have to say about this and their experience and their situation. So uh, you kind of said, and I'll butcher the words and say it differently, but I'll get the same <laughs> concept, Jude, <laughs> is that people are looking for more of your brand, not necessarily a specific beer. And that is a good thing. Did I get that right? It's a great thing. Okay, yeah, good. Right. So yeah, we have, we have that similarly especially since effectively everything is a one-off if people want to come back for one specific beer that we brewed months ago we don't have that in package but we will still have a hazy ipa or a west coast ipa or a modern ipa so people can count on those categories and know if they're having a radiant product it's going to be in that same delicious vein as what they had prior but not necessarily the exact same product exact same style and execution um, and the reason I want to like go back and touch on this more with you guys yeah. is to hear how you feel about that difference because two reasons. One is I love building brands. So fun and exciting. It's my favorite. Um, <laughs> but we have a lot of different products. So there's this tear between people absolutely loving the brand as a whole, which is a very good thing but then they want this one specific thing and they can't get it again. Do you want them to follow more the overall brand? Do you want them to be interested in your flagship? How do you guys experience that balance and sort that out? Cause I see a win on both sides. And as we enter year two and start thinking about things like having more core or less core or whatever, these are things I'm always batting back and forth in my head. Did that? make sense? Yeah. I, that's 100%. jump ball for anybody who wants to get in on that. Well, yeah. I mean, I was going to say from, a you know, someone who has been around for a long time or a brewery from a brewery that's been around from a lot for a long time. Um, I mean, I think that we definitely have that. I mean, we do have, you know, our flagship pills 
And, um, I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, have tried that and, you know, haven't tried anything else, but they're just like, oh, hey, I really like Heater Allen pills. So I am going to pick up this like Heater Allen Dunkel or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, you do get the brand loyalty. And I think it is kind of important to, you know, build some some sort of brand loyalty so that people know that when they're buying your beer, they're getting a quality product. Um, And that's you know, and that's the thing too, about like, um, you know, they're not, com- they're maybe coming in to get the coffee cake beer, but you know, they're leaving with Kolsch, like Matthew said, like, yeah. you know, they're getting something else. So, um, and they're, you know, discovering your brand more and, you know, so that's, I think, you know, that brand loyalty, I think is, you know, really important and to create, you know, a good customer base. I, Matthew, I, would I feel de- like, yeah, you have thoughts on this. I definitely have <laughs> thoughts on this. We we used to have we used to have a beer uh, naming regimen that we have since discontinued. We called it demo tape. And if you can just imagine, demo tape was we our first few batches of beer we brewed were just demo tape one, demo tape two, demo tape whatever thirty seven. Uh, and the idea was those beers would become either something we made and would go away and never be brewed again, or it would become a part of our portfolio. So Demo Tape 4 became our flagship IPA known as the Cat's Meow. Demo Tape uh, 6 became our port, or Demo Tape 5 became our porter, whatever. So it was kind of a way for us to not be forced to name beers yet because we weren't quite ready. And, uh, and, so, and the beers weren't ready, you know, quite frankly, our first several batches. So, um, it, then it became like, well, let's just use it as our experimental line of beers. So demo tape, you know, 18 was like a hoppy wheat ale with uh, all local hops. And then demo tape 21 and 22 were these like interesting kind of pale ale iterations of each other. The problem that we found was that people would come in and be like, can I get that demo tape? And we're like, oh, <laughs> well, which one? And they're like, I don't know. It had like a goofy label with a with a funny face on it or like, yeah, that was demo tape 18. Um, that hasn't existed for a year, but we have these. And so we definitely, I would echo what, what you were saying, Lisa, where, or, or I don't know if Cambria was saying this, but we, that we always will have something that can still reflect, not just our, our, our quality, but maybe even something within the style that you had before. So, um, so the demo tape thing just became very confusing for people. It even yeah. became confusing for me. Like I couldn't even remember <laughs> which they were. And <laughs> excuse me. No, that so, never happens. <laughs> right, right. I mean, people are like, what's the alcohol on this? I'm like, I don't know. I gotta look it up. And so <laughs> um, so we ended up making some demo tapes that were just these like double IPAs for a while. And then we like went to like this marshmallow stout thing that we did and like it just was all over the map so it didn't really make a lot of sense to continue it um we have decided okay we have enough beer names in our kind of notebook of beer names that we can just like come up with a new beer idea and there's a name for it um Mm -hmm. so we stopped using demo tape although i loved the idea of demo tape and the the kind of like not all our songs are written yet so we're not going to really name them yet and uh that was kind (laughs) of the idea um, but yeah, we definitely are able to get people kind of back into the fold of our portfolio when they come in asking for something that hasn't existed in a while. And I can really dig on that. Um, there's a brewery in Maine 
called it's now called liquid riot it used to be called infinity yeah and their whole idea and that was eric um Michaud, um who owns navari res his whole idea was to like never make the same beer twice and then he quickly <laughs> realized like well wait, wait a second people come in asking for what they like and you know you kind of it's kind of nice sometimes and to to be able to offer mm -hmm. them something that they like you know and i i dig the whole idea of like we get really good at making the cat's meow because we brew it every single monday and maybe that's a little boring but i don't know it it, it makes for great beer you know and and sometimes a, a staff that is wanting more creativity but you know we give them thursdays and fridays for that <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> totally well and it's and these things all are informed by and depend on you know what are the goals of the brand and the business sure so a lot of times when we're having these discussions or i'm just batting these ideas around it's like well if it's about repeat customers as number one goal then yeah you're gonna get this beer name that you'll know and remember and you're gonna see it over and over in messaging but if it's about we're brand new we need brand awareness yeah we're gonna fire off like every cool thing we've got at you <laughs> and you're gonna get to know us for all these different things we can do so that five years from now, you know, we've, we've got you very loyal as a customer. So that's yeah. a great point where it's like, what yeah. is in the, in the end, you know, what is our goal here and whatever yeah. we do is going to, could have some type of ramification or just negative thing associated with. So if, if, if once we identify what that is, can we shoulder that or are we okay with that? Or, or you know, is exactly. that the trade off? for doing what, what, you know, what we're set out to do. And if it is yeah. at each other, then fine. Yeah. Starting but, with but the end it, in mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but, you know, it's like, we, we don't have any flagship brands. We do have beers that certain beers that will bring back um, maybe two or three times a year. And that's mm -hmm. cool when it comes back because there's, there's fans of those specific brands and beers and, you know, um, it hops change from year to year. And a lot of time it'll be a showcase mm -hmm. for, for that, you know, that year's crop. So you may like it more than the last time you may not, not like it as much as the last batch, but they are like vintages and it's, it's cool to approach how those change. But, and I don't know if it comes, it ultimately comes down to, will it sell? I think. And, and if we do mm -hmm. this, how is it going to affect everything else? And I don't know if it matters when, like when we came up or, you know, when we started when any brewery creates its first impression, you know, with who they are in the customer's mind. But, you know, we think, we think about flagships all the time too, but if, if we do that, well, well, how will it affect, well, first off, like, are we a flagship brewery in people's right. minds and how will that affect the other beers? And then, um, you know, it, you wonder if like flagships were a, 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 a thing of a certain like a certain type of a brewery at a certain time where anyone who came right. after kind of can't do that and then mm -hmm. right. <laughs> if, if we release that flagship you know will we like and if that means our beer is around uh is more readily available and we like our beer being available but ultimately you know we release beer every week so by the time we come back with the beer the next week we'd like that previous one from the week before gone so yep. if something's always available you know, does that hurt our cool factor? But then I go back and, you know, and it's like, but you can't sell beer that you don't make and that's not yeah. available. 
So yeah. are we cool with being readily available and lose, you know, and, and, and losing that aspect of our brand maybe, but maybe we reach more people and maybe we build a larger audience as a result. Exactly. It's that balance. And, and just hearing you talk through that, I'm hearing myself and, you know, the same kind of conversations you have with yourself bouncing from, we do this, it affects A and B that creates this scenario, that scenario. So yeah, it is, it is a balance with a lot of factors that all affect one another. More in a minute, but first, thanks to these companies that help keep the mics hot around here. Athletic Brewing Company's innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. New customers can also get 10% off of their entire order with code BEEREDGE10, limit one per customer. And when it comes to printed brewery products, head to Stomp Stickers. The company is a reliable resource for printed items, such as beer labels and boxes, keg collars, coasters, and more. Visit stompstickers.com and use code DRINKBEER15 for 15% off your first order. And we're brought to you by NZ Hops, a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years to produce some of the world's finest hops. NZ Hops are like no others, unique in their flavors and aromas. Visit nzhops.co.nz to explore more. And now back to the show with Lisa, Jude, Matthew, and Cambria. Jude, as you're getting ready to move into your your tap room, your brick and mortar space next year. Um, do you think you're going to have to have at least one flagship or something regular on all the time for the people who come through? I think so. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, that's an easier call to make if we're just talking about it being draft only. Sure. I, mm-hmm. I think so. I, We've, we've been working towards this moment for a while. Um, you know, we are first and foremost, we're fans of beer. So while, I mean, it was strategic that we would brew nothing but hoppy beer um, a long time ago. I think it was like a, like a Jack Trout, Al Rees book. We were in sales, uh, in sports sales, like selling season tickets and group tickets before we started the brewery. And it was basically like uh, be one thing to everybody instead of being everything to everybody. So, so mm-hmm. we had thought, you know, uh, let us be one of the first like one, two, three breweries that when someone says, I want a hoppy beer in Chicago, that hopefully we could be one of those three. So that's why we focused on just making nothing but hoppy beer. But we knew that, you know, we, we were saying, but we, we're not just going to have 10, 10 hazy beers on draft, you know, like we're going to have to have a mix. So for the last three or four years, we've always like, we've, we've released Pilsner and we've released Saison and released Brown Ale and, you know, we've, we've gone into other styles and, um, and I know if I walk into our tap room as a drinker, um, there's different beers for, for different times and uh, different times of day, different, uh, different ways you're feeling and different occasions. So we're definitely going to have to, um, have a array of, of beers, but I think that's really exciting. Um, and if it means we get to have a flagship beer and it's tap room only, um, then that's kind of a, a cool first step. It's not a competition and nobody's really keeping score, but if we were just for the record, uh, selling coffee cake is still cooler than selling tickets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, your tap room has been closed for a while now uh, because of the pandemic and you're hoping to to be back open. You were, you were saying before we went on next year, have you been thinking about, 
changes and what you might want to do different now that you've had the doors closed for so long once they reopen? Uh, definitely. I mean, I think I think part of it comes down to just um, kind of getting more serious about the tap room. Um, we've always, I mean, we're a small family business, so it's always been like, oh, uh, my mom is working the tap room today, uh, you know, that sort of thing, or like I'll jump behind the bar like after brewing or something like that. And um, so some of those things of just kind of you know, making it a more serious part of our business, um, making it more um, comfortable for people to hang out in is just, so just kind of the layout and seating and all of that sort of stuff. And um, I mean, McMinnville is right smack dab in Oregon's wine country. And so we get a lot of wine tourism. And so I think we also, you know, want to make um, wine in aspect of the tap room have, you know, some really nice wines available as well. Um, so people, you know, if people are in a group and someone, you know, doesn't drink beer or doesn't want beer, we have an option available. Um, and then also, uh, yeah, just kind of, um, making it not only appealing though, to those people that are visiting from, you know, out, outside of McMinnville, but, uh, we also want to make it welcoming for locals as well. Um, and with our location, it might be a little bit of a struggle, but, uh, we would really want to kind of eventually, and this might not be immediately when we open, but eventually we kind of want to, you know, work on maybe having special locals nights or, you know, starting a mug club or something like that to kind of draw, draw some of those locals in that, um, are, you know, maybe have never been to the brewery before. So, um, so yeah, kind of just rethinking, rethinking some things on that end and making the customer experience as, uh, as a whole better. So, yeah. Are, are mug clubs still a draw? I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out, I guess. Does, does anybody know? I mean, I, I, I feel like when I came up as a, as a beer drinker 20 years ago now, every place that I walked into had, had a mug club. And now I, I, I still see them occasionally, but I don't even know if it's. I like, can speak to that. Yeah. Can you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can. Uh, a brewery that I worked for before Radiance had a mug club across six locations. So was it transferable from one, yeah, from one to the next? Uh, I believe Yes, there there was a way of being a guest at a different one, but okay. you would have different benefits and your you know your your actual mug that you had at one site would live at that site so you wouldn't necessarily have your own mug that you decorated and whatnot. Okay. At a different site. Um but also a California-based brewery, so maxed out with the number of tap rooms we could have and across those six tap rooms which were spread out basically along the central coast, um, that was a substantial piece of good business for this brewery's model. Okay. Um, but it, it is what you make of it, you know? So there was a person who was in charge of managing that and making sure there were special events and things that made the members feel surprised, delighted, important, included, part of a community. So without those efforts, I don't think it would really have been what it was. 
Um, so if you're just having, you know, here's a cup that you have and it's 20% off and there's not really a lot going on, then, you know, you're not going to get a whole lot out of it. But it, it did do well with the programming it had. And it was it was some fun programming that was interesting. Do, do you have one, Matthew? We do not. No. Okay. Um, I was going to say the only place that I know that exists still that has a mug club would be the Moan and Dove in Amherst. And it's one of those, like you have to, um, you know, you buy, you, you drink through the list and then you earn your mug. Sure. You know, and, <laughs> that's like um, no, Novari res. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and Eric used to work at the, the Moan and Dove before he opened okay. Novari res. So that makes complete <laughs> sense. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a great list. I mean, it's a beautiful list of beers. It's, I mean, you have to spend, I think back in the day, it was like over $2,000 in beers to get the mug. Um, okay. I mean, you know, it's just a mug. And then your job transfers you to Cincinnati. (laughs) Right, right. Um, And actually, our sales director here at the brewery, Kevin, does have a mug at the Mona Dove. Um, So he's the only person that I know currently that that actually still would go to a bar and be like, oh, I'll take my mug, please, and get the beer. And it's an amazing little beer bar, uh, one of the originals for sure. And so I'm not sure it's... I think that's something that most people don't care so much about anymore. Isn't there's, that such a craft beer thing? Like the, is it, the mug club, you know what yeah. I mean? To me, is that like early days of like, like is, I would always be interested. Is it just like about a, a sense of like community and being a part of something that, that didn't exist with like macro brands that you can go to a place where, you know, whether beer was on draft or it was being, uh, brewed on site that, you know, you belong to something that, that only you knew about, you know, is that like a cheers thing? I think, I think there's a bit of that. The, the experience I was speaking of, the audience was definitely different than, for example, the brewery placentia audience. Um, it was much more of an audience that would like to drink a very large volume of an amber lager in one sitting after a work shift. And that, would be the purpose. It wasn't necessarily the audience that was interested in our coffee cake collaborations and things like that. <laughs> so right. it, they weren't checking it, into the same it. beer on untapped over and over again. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Thank you. They, they definitely weren't probably even using untapped. Um, right. It was more of the having a volume of beer around friends and community, like you said, Jude. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that audience was akin to this kind of cheers vibe that you're, referring to a bit yeah i mean that's so awesome i think of like the first time that that you you kind of come upon a scene where it's like oh there's other beer you know and it's like it's, <laughs> it's like a subculture of a culture of a culture and you're yeah. and you know you're you're just learning mm-hmm. there's so i mean we could talk about mug clubs some more but there, <laughs> there, there, there's i'm gonna move us on i know apparently, apparently i brought up a hot subject <laughs> yeah so hot <laughs> Right. I was going to ask everybody what, what, what you yeah. thought the, the, the biggest trend of 2022 is going to be, but clearly it's, it's mug, mug clubs. clubs. So yeah. Game on. I'm, uh, I'm down so, with John, switching you, topics for sure. I'd be careful, John. You got Rauk beer going. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. You know, beer if, you w- if you will, it, yeah. it just, it just happens. Rauk only mu- uh, mug club. <laughs> yeah. You can just get smoked beer in this. Um, only. That's, That's great. You know, see now, now the gears are turning and now I'm trying to figure out a, a cool way of making that work. But, um, <laughs> so 
<laughs> Matthew said something uh, when you were talking about Liquid Riot, and you, you're saying how uh, they should they wanted to start making um, the beers that people were asking for. And Lisa early on uh, was talking in, in the Dunkles about like you know, the beer that brewers want to drink, and those two competing thoughts or competing actions, I think have. It's a conversation that's been happening for so long, but I'm wondering, and and again, for anybody who wants to sort of jump in here, where the line is, because when, when, when I talk to brewers about, you know, like, boy, I wish people were drinking more, you know, wit beer. Right. And it's like, well, do you make one? It's like, well, not really. It's like, well, we'll make one and put it in front of them. No, I know. (laughs) And I'm using that as the example, (laughs) you know, but, but putting the beers that, you as brewers or you as brewing you know company folks like to make and are proud of does that lead the conversation or should that be leading the conversation more than people who are walking in and saying you know what kind of after dinner dessert have you now put in the mash for me today like is there where where do you like where, where where do those reconcile I mean, I'll jump in. I think, I think in some ways it depends on, um, your customer base is, you know, a huge draw of, you know, what you're going to brew and what you're going to look at brewing. Um, I mean, we have talked about at Heater Allen, I, the first, the first pale ale that I ever made was the brave noise beer (laughs) that, that I, that we brewed this fall. Um, and, you know, we've talked about the possibility of maybe having um, an IPA or a pale ale and start making one to have on in the tap room because people want IPAs um, or having a guest beer, having something that's going to, you know, um, draw people in. And, uh, you know, there's you we're in a small town, so I think we can also and we're kind of a destination brewery. People know what they're getting when they come to Heater Allen for the most part. Um, but you also can, and I think this has kind of been mentioned in this conversation previously as well, is you can, you know, kind of in most cases, you can find something that people are going to like. If they came for this style of beer, you can be like, oh, well, we don't currently have a, you know, something on tap, but, you know, try this, which is like not the same, but it's somewhat similar, going to have some of the similar flavor profiles. Um, so yeah, I think it's just kind of knowing your customer base and kind of knowing what they like and what they will, um, what they will buy. And I think, you know, there can be a balance between, you know, obviously like what you really want to brew and what the customer really likes. And if you're really enthusiastic about something, you can usually get anyone to try it. (laughs) So, and that's a good point too. Um, is is if you're excited about it and you speak passionately about it and you let others know why they should be excited about it or you know then then that's the start and that's what gets people excited about it i mean we made we made a rawaka kolsch and we thought that was the raddest thing we're like we want to drink kolsch and we want to brew it with rawaka and there's so many you know consonant flavors here and uh and, you know, we went back to the stores and there were still two, three cases hanging around. We're like, no one cares about Rowaka Kolsch. We're like, this is the cool, like Rowaka is the hardest hop to get 
uh, right now mm-hmm. and it's the middle of summer and this Kolsch is just slamming. And we're like, I guess no one cares about Rwaka Kolsch, you know? <laughs> so then the next time it came to brew Kolsch, we're like, no, we're not brewing Kolsch, you know, because, because uh, we wanted to see the beer gone. And then maybe at that point it's like, well, we brewed 30 barrels of it. So it's like, next time let's do 15, you know, let's just kind of like manufacture that, that demand or brew less of it. And then, but then it's like, do we have 15 barrel tanks on hand, you know, or do we have the time to do that? Um, well- Wait, I'm yeah, curious sure. though, because, and I'm sure Matthew has Kolsch thoughts um, and I, I'm going to let him jump in in a second though. But when you're saying nobody wants Kolsch, it, could it be that maybe, you know, they were confused about the hop varietal and therefore that turned oh. them off? Because I, I, I feel like people want to drink Kolsch. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, sorry, I'll back away from that. Okay. I, I wasn't saying that people don't want to drink Kolsch, but I, mean, I just based on the fact that like we could bring 10 cases of you know, yeah, of IPA and it's gone in a week, you know, but then we come back with this even cooler beer and everyone says, I want to drink Kolsch. I want to drink Kolsch. And then we brew Rwaka Kolsch. It's like, all right, well, um, you know. Yeah. I feel like people are conflicted on Kolsch too. I love Kolsch. I am team Kolsch all the way, but I know I can think of a brewery that renamed a style to a blonde instead of Kolsch because Kolsch was kind of like, we're not sure how to take that for the audience renamed it without changing the recipe because those are two separate styles i believe they the recipe be. didn't change a lot they okay. should be different styles but i could be i could be speaking wrong i know it was a kolsch and it was the best and it tasted the same to me but john i mean that goes into i mean it you know is it a kolsch or could it be a german pale ale you know like it goes mm-hmm. you know it you know it's 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 beers that are presented as you know uh, IPA, but are really brewed with lager yeast. I mean, so, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that, that happens a lot. So, um, yeah. you know, a name, uh, just a style change like that, I feel would still be like within, within reason. Matthew. Oh, don't even get me started on this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, um, I mean, topics. my opinion is not some big secret on this. Um, if you've heard me talk about Kolsch, I, I don't have a problem with you taking some golden ale and turning it into a Kolsch or taking a Kolsch and calling it golden ale to each their own. Um, I, I don't know that it matters anymore necessarily. I think that the, the approach we've taken with this style is that we want to make an authentic tribute to kind of this, you know, style of beer and place and culture. Um, There's very little of that left, I think, you know, aside from in the wine world with champagne, you know, the Appalachian kind of ideals. Um, I've made plenty of golden ale, golden lager type beers that were Kolsch-like or Kolsch-style or whatever. but yes, we sell 10 cases of IPA to every case of Kolsch probably. Um, also, uh, it is not our flagship. If you want to ask, like people say like, what's your favorite beer or whatever. It's like, what, what, what am I answering here? Am I answering what beer am I excited to make or what, what beer am I excited to brew or I'm sorry, drink, or is it, are we asking like, which one pays the bills, you know? And IPAs pay these bills. They just do. And for us, the Kolsch is a labor of love. It's a labor of uh, longer tank time and the brewers just love drinking it. Um, We have a few lagers recently that we've also been really enjoying, you know, that kind of have 
made the coals sit in the corner <laughs> and Aww. be like, yeah, it's like the little stepchild at this point, but, um, but <laughs> it's, it's still my favorite and it's made some cool, gotten some cool accolades recently, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there is room for, uh, all of this, the, the Kolsch with mango, the Kolsch with whatever dry hop Kolsch, uh, Kolsch without real Kolsch yeast. Um, there's, there's a space for it. Uh, not in my brewery, but there is a space for it. Um, for the record, I didn't mean to, to take us down the long road of Kolsch. <laughs> I was just, ref- I was just referring to anything. To Kolsch. Yes. 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 We're hitting know, all right? the barn burners right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Sorry, I dragged I was just, this further in. No, yeah. <laughs> I was just referring to, to anything. There's like you know, three I, listeners that are still with us and yeah. really excited right now. <laughs> But it, it was, it was, you know, it just goes back to that's what we wanted to drink at the time. And I think it, it, it again, it just kind of comes down to probably just like a P&L in the end or, or, or just like, all right, we are going to make this. And, and if, uh, and in, we have to be cool with how it sells and we can also show, and these are, our expe- you know, in that our expectations line up with what the reality of it. So that in the end, like, can we, can we afford to do this? Can we, you know, can we deal with, with, you know, if that's not going to be as successful as this, can we deal with that? And, or, you know, or is, or is the, you know, the, any of, any of the, the consequence or negative consequence of doing that is, is that still so much smaller than the benefit that could come from it? And then if you, if everyone looks at each other and says, no, we can still go ahead and do it. And yeah, we're cool with the fact that it's going to hang around a little bit longer. And I don't care if, you know, someone then thinks we're not as, as cool for doing this, or, you know, it's not going to really be too big of a hit, then go ahead and do it. Funny enough. I mean, Matt did bring it back full circle with his comment on IPA paying the bills while Kolsch sadly sits in the corner sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's true. It's, I think it really comes down to back to your original question of how you reconcile those two pathways. It does come back for me to that, what is the end game? You know, how much risk are we willing to take on with these decisions? What's our audience and how much space do we want to have for experimentation in the mix? And then you find that mix and balance that keeps your PL in a happy spot while you're still exploring some fun things to do, while the brew team is still able to be experimental and grow, even while where marketing can do some of that. I've worked on projects that were great, you know, marketing concepts, but did they sell as much as we'd hoped? No, but it was amazing storytelling and that pays off in a different way. And it was amazing community building. Um, so I think it, it comes back to really what is the business model's end game or goal at this point and finding that balance again. IPA pays the coffee cake budget. I got it. <laughs> That's an important one. <laughs> um, IPA is buying the whole mug club membership for the year for everybody. <laughs> no question. <laughs> the mugs that you fill with Kolsch. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There it is. Yeah. Um, Lisa, you brought up uh, the Brave Noise collaboration beer that's been out there uh, for a couple of months now, and it's been raising awareness. Uh, on you know some of the the, the more terrible things that have happened uh, in the beer industry and trying to uh, work towards um, you know ad- addressing and and bringing about meaningful change uh, in in and around the the the, the beer <laughs> space. Um, obviously, since early this summer, it's been probably the most talked about, uh, rightfully so, uh, topic in 
the craft beer space. A couple of months in now, um, is anybody seeing meaningful change on the horizon? Things that have that have happened that um, can offer a little bit of. I know there's still a lot of work to be done, um, but has has anybody seen anything that has pointed towards things moving in a meaningful and you know, I guess correct direction? I've seen, I think that um, more breweries, which is this one thing that the Brave Noise beer is, um, one of the goals of it is to get more breweries to have a code of conduct yeah, um, and to hold people ac- accountable to a code of conduct. Um, and so I think that, you know, there's quite a few more breweries and like uh, festivals and stuff like that, that, you know, now have a code of conduct. Um I think obviously like there's still changes that need to be made. I think that in some ways though, I uh, personally know a few people that have um, like had weird experiences with like a distributor sales rep. And so they're just like, I'm not going to buy from that sales rep anymore because their behavior is inappropriate. And, um, and, you know, and the boss being like, cool. Yeah, you do what, (laughs) if you don't feel comfortable buying from that person, then don't buy beer from them, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, certain stuff like that. And to, cause I mean, unless you, if you, if we just talk about it and don't actually do any actions then nothing's going to change. Um, so yeah. And I've heard of a couple of other people, you know, um, and, uh, just calling people out and being like, like, Hey man, that's not cool. Don't say that. Like that's inappropriate. And I think that's, one of the big things that needs to happen is people just calling out the bad behavior when they see it. So. Anybody else seen anything or pointing in the right direction? Okay. Um, Yeah. I mean, I've obviously been talking to a lot of breweries who have, um, you know, one been putting code of conducts into place, but also, um, you know, as Lisa, as you just said, calling out bad behavior. And it's become, I think, a little bit more commonplace, which is which is nice to see and something that I hope uh, continues not only into next year, but just becomes like a permanent part of being in and around um, the, the the beer space. Um, the, the other big thing that I know has been talked about in and around hospitality um, is, you know, labor shortages or, you know, uh, finding people to, um, you know, come in and, and, and work in, in, in hospitality. Um, you know, it's been, it's always been grueling. It seems like the pandemic has, has put a bigger spotlight on that. Um, before we started recording, uh, I was asking Matthew how he was doing, what was going on. And, you know, he said, in addition to making tasty beer, uh, he was, uh, working hard to, uh, on keeping the staff happy. And that seems to be pretty paramount these days. And, you know, not only in addition to paychecks and everything, but um, Matthew, since you said it, Mm -hmm. how, how, how are you achieving that? What have you, what have you been focusing on? Well, I'm going to start by saying, I'm not sure I'm necessarily achieving that. Um, I'm doing, we're doing our best. I mean, I think everybody's struggling these days. Um, We've had our share of, you know, we've, we've actually thankfully only had one COVID case um, in all of this time that was, you know, someone that, that, that worked here that then, you know, got the virus. They've, they've, they were, they were fine. Um, But it's just, it puts a giant um, 
stop on everything. You know, nobody can come to work who's been near you and, and things like that. So what we've done is we've just tried to, you know, keep a positive attitude. We, you know, talking about like the code of conduct stuff and um, having just an open dialogue. Uh, we have Kelsey Roth here as our, our GM uh, who has been just an amazing asset and person that has just been able to really just nail down all of these things and, you know, continue to build our employee handbook around our ideals and what we think is the best things for our people here and our, our consumers and, you know, our, our daily lives here at work. Um, We, I think the, the big thing for us is not slamming a schedule down their throats. Like I'm all about making more beer, but not to the detriment of the team. Um, you know, we could probably sell a little bit more if we pushed it harder, but I think that that's a dangerous road to take when you're shorthanded and, and people are working 50 to 60 hours a week. And, um, it's just a challenge that I, I think is a risk that's not really worth the rewards. Um, you know, we, it's crazy to think, but we did actually grow in volume in 2020. Um, that is something that I'm. I'm obviously very proud of, but also I'm just kind of like, uh, kind of keep that close to the chest, um, generally, um, just because I think a lot of companies did not fare as well. Um, you realize this conversation is going out to the public though. I do, <laughs> but <laughs> I just want to make sure, like, but I don't you know, mean, I don't I'm mean a good I'm not time willing. talking with you, but uh, yeah, I'm not willing to tell anyone. I'm yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not willing to share right, that. Dear it's listener. not something yeah. we're shooting, you know, we're not screaming it. Um, like, Hey, look at us. We grew. Um, I, I, I didn't say we made money. I just said we grew a little, um, we didn't hit our 26% growth plan. <laughs> um, but the three or 4% growth that we saw was, was unbelievably gratifying and kind of incredible to see happen. Um, now that being said, we also have had a complete and a complete turnover of our production crew. I'm the only one that's brewing beer here that was from the, you know, the original team, um, which is both bizarre and kind of refreshing right now. Uh, we have an incredible team that's fired up and energized and ready to rock. And, um, we finally aren't completely shorthanded. We actually have enough people on the floor to do all of the work that we're trying to do. Um, and we do have a little bit of a growth plan for 22 that I think we're going to be able to meet and hopefully exceed. Um, I think the happiness, if you will, or the, the job uh, quality of life, life, you know, work-life balance thing is something that we've really focused on. If someone needs a moment, they take their moment. If they need a week, they take their week. I'm not micromanaging time off as much. I'm also not pushing for overtime if you don't want it. But if you want it because you're ready to earn money, then I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to find projects, which anytime someone's like, you know, what, what can I do? I'm like, Oh, here's my list, you know? And they're sometimes afraid (laughs) to ask that question because it's like, that hasn't been cleaned or looked at in a while. Why don't we clean that area? You should get like one of those wheel of fortune wheels uh, with all the jobs on it. Let's find out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I got it. I'm going to be climbing on top of the grist case, uh, at the end of this week to basically scoop and vacuum the top of it because it is it, the, the amount of grain dust up there is a f- frightening. Okay. Um, so, but like little stuff like that, I think is, 
we are energizing our staff by making the room better and, and feeling great in our room and, and, and really enjoying each other's company, you know, when we're in there making beer, packaging beer, all of those things. Cambria, when you started uh, the brewery, all of you came from different places. In some cases you had all worked together, but you all had um, different experiences. Um, mm-hmm. Was there, was there a conversation on setting a culture, setting a tone early on based on things you liked and, but also things that you didn't like? Definitely. Um, So in getting the project started, we had quite a few rounds of discussion about what we did and didn't want. And, you know, all the, uh, the hopeful big picture things when you have a little bit of space and time to talk about those before starting the rush of the business actually running. Um, But yeah, we, we all agree that work-life balance was important. Um, achieving that is a different story. Yeah. Uh, but we've all worked for places at some point in our different careers where we did feel that was skewed pretty heavily in one direction or another. And we wanted to make sure that this place was something that didn't push that. But, you know, we still hold people accountable and, and get things done and have a passionate group of people that are dedicated and driven. Um, so the work-life balance to echo Matt as well was uh, definitely a big bullet on the list of things. Um, We are still very new. We are still very small. So really having, you know, that all written down and what it exactly means is something that we're still working through. Um, But we know that we're holding each other to keeping that balance and making sure that different staff members feel fulfilled and, like they're part of a team and not just there to do task, task, task. And they're actually going to be able to grow and be valued as that individual that they are. I like it. Yeah. Um, I'm mindful of everybody's time and this has been a lot of fun. I'm wondering uh, as, as we look to a new year um, and I'll sort of just go around the room if there is a beer or a style of beer uh, that you would want somebody listening to go out and try for the first time or to get out of their comfort zone a little bit. We can't say Kolsch, can we? we- <laughs> <laughs> coffee cake we've Kolsch. only used the Kolsch card yeah. twice. <laughs> it's Coffee Cake Kolsch is going to be the big sleeper hit of 2022. Um, yes. As Matthew's head explodes. Um, <laughs> Rowaka Kolsch specifically. Yeah. I asked I asked this question exactly of Lisa before that. though, but but Matt, Matthew, really quick. Um, is there any adjunct that you would ever put in a Kolsch and be happy with it? Uh, wheat. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, we we have on occasion I have allowed people to take, and I, I basically say they they're they're allowed to steal. Uh, what we call, we just call it shoes until it becomes Kolsch, I guess, but yeah. they're allowed to steal shoes out of the tank and make like a cask or a, we call it a brink beer where they just take a half barrel, what would be a yeast brink and mess with it. And so there were a few occasions where uh, we did like a blueberry shoes or a blackberry shoes. Um, there was also an occasion where there was like a dry hopped golden ale of some kind, but we wouldn't, but we definitely didn't use the, the, the style 
name of Kolsch just for no other reason other than I, I've just kind of stuck my heels in the ground on that one. Um, but yeah, so I guess I have done those things. Right. I mean, Jude's got a line on mint oil. If uh... I, I like that <laughs> mint stout idea. That sounds amazing. I want that. Uh, all right. So Lisa Allen, if, if there is a uh, beer or a beer style that you would encourage people to go out and, and, and try and drink and learn to appreciate in this new year, what would it be? I mean, apparently I don't need to say Dunkel because, you know, yeah, um, selling like crazy. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's um, I actually think that um, alt beer is a very underappreciated style that yeah. uh, when done correctly is very delicious. Um, unfortunately, there's not a ton of people who make them. Um, but yeah. Isn't Rogue Dead Guy an alt? Um, I think that's, uh, I'm using like air quotes, a, uh, Doppelbach, I believe. Is I do okay. not think they use lager yeast. Okay. <laughs> I do not think it hits the like specifications for a Doppelbach it's at been all. a long time since or I've a Bach. Had, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. That always comes up on Oregon's like most sold beer and like no one in Oregon drinks that beer. So it's clearly <laughs> people from outside the state that are buying all the dead guy. Um, uh, not to bash rogue, but nope. no one it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not a popular beer in the state of Oregon. Um, yeah, I would say, and I, I mean, I, I always feel like I have to, um, I always have to push, uh, push Pilsner too. Uh, I mean, I think that, uh, I think that there are some, especially now some really well-made Pilsners out there and, um, you know, uh, people who kind of are anti-logger in some way, like some consumers, you know, um, I'm still going to push people, try, try your local brewery, go to your local brewery, try their Pilsner if they have one on tap. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know, just, it's, it's such a cool style of beer and, you know, it, one of the most popular styles in the world. So come on. <laughs> Jude, what's a, beer or beer style that you're going to encourage people to go and try to get out of their, their normal comfort zone in the new year. We're, we're not going to make more Saison than we probably already do, but I feel that Saison was, was one of my first loves. Um, and I feel that it, it's a, it's a beer for all types of occasions. Um, and I think that style of beer is great. And I think there's a lot of Saison, great Saison out there. Um, so I'd say that, um, and then also, you know, like I think our, our plan is if it's always going to be happy and we're going to dive into other styles of beer, we're going to look for tasty ways and, and, and ways of, of purpose to do these things. So just, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, appreciating just traditional ingredients and, and Pilsner and, 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 you know, we've kind of gone back to for as much as, as, as we love Citra and Mosaic and, Nelson Sauvin and, and pour over those. Your brewery those does hops. love Citra and Mosaic. We, both those hops, a lot of uh, strata as well. Out yep. of um, but you know, for us, we're kind of on this journey of, of learning really what like Hallertau middle fruit is all about and what Sats is all about and what Liberty and tradition. And then it kind of gets uh, into this, you know, this moment of, uh, you know, there's like beers between like hoppy beers between like 2013 and 2015 that I feel we just kind of like zoomed over, you know, those kind of like hoppy beers that had a light 
dry hop haze to them. And they were like juicy beers before juicy beers were juicy beers. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I kind of like to have people go back, uh, go back to that. Um, and I don't know, and, and, and appreciate over the top flavors as well as any beer that has uh, beers of subtlety or beers of time and place or, you know, beer where the, the focus is just on, on the ingredients or whether it's local maltsters or beers with story or, you know, beers that are, you know, beers that, uh, you know, are of the moment, I guess. Uh, but okay. as long as it's an appreciation of, of beer, uh, I'm cool with it. Matthew? Uh, I, I really like what you just said about the the time and place thing. And I'm going to, I'll gloss over the style. I think for, we have a new beer called Just a Kitten that is a 5% <laughs> hazy IPA. It's got Vic Secret. It's got Mosaic, um, even some Citra. Uh, we actually just took delivery of our Crosby Strata crop. So I'm hoping that we can use that also in that beer eventually when we get through the next you know, kind of iteration of it. Um, but I think the new thing for us in 2022 as a consumer, I at least hope is, and this is a little plug for a project that I've been working on, which is a square foot project, which is a recognition of the agricultural piece of beer and understanding that, you know, beer grows in the ground, right? So we know that, uh, we now know that four square feet of farmland is needed for barley uh, to uh, to create a pint of uh, craft beer. Uh, call it a six percent or five and a half percent, sixteen ounce beer. It's about four square feet of barley, and so the square foot project is about recognizing where that barley is grown and uh, considering the supply chain when we're purchasing our beers. So and and brewing our beers for for obviously for us. Um, so one of the focuses we're putting on uh, or we're trying to add to our, you know, portfolio, if you will, is the conversation about where all that stuff comes from. And of course we buy malt from Simpsons in the UK and Weirman in, in, in Germany. Um, But we also provide, or we also utilize a lot of local grains in our beers um, uh, with a malt house called Valley malt and, and our dedication to Valley malt, and the local supply chain is really clear uh, these days where we're, uh, we're going to purchase over 100,000 pounds of locally grown barley and wheat uh, in 2022. And uh, that pales in comparison to what Allagash just announced, which was they opened up their millionth pound this year of grain, <laughs> which is pretty incredible. And yeah. I was very very proud to see that post. Um, so yeah, the Northeast Grain Shed is is the kind of uh, group that we've put together that is focusing on that local supply chain. So all the beers are fit and suit for the or, or and well suited for this type of project, I think. And um, I guess stylistically, it's the summer of Kolsch coming up every year. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was the summer of Cream Ale again, but uh, nope. no, uh, that one's been canceled. Can- <laughs> <laughs> Ambria, what uh, what's a what's a beer? What's a style people should learn God, to enjoy? You make me pick one, John. This is well, so hard, but I have my one. Okay. But first, I want to echo what some people said because I love this conversation. Um, what Matt just said about where beer comes from is awesome, and it's something we do need to look at. It's something that 
Andrew and Jonas and I, and I have talked about more consciously looking at where our ingredients are coming from and talking about these suppliers and strengthening those relationships. Andrew has actively been doing that in this past year and uh, it's some pretty cool stuff. I love the talk about these kind of juicy pre-hazy concepts that Jude talked about. Yeah. I think it was Jude. Um, Cause I did have unfiltered IP on my list of potentially my top contender for this answer. Um, partly because we did release a couple of those this year back to back and they were absolutely some of my favorite releases, but the movement wasn't as strong as, you know, we thought and hoped. And I think it has to do with kind of that, that style name, um, but they're fantastic beers. And then I'm a total plus one on the alt beer wagon. I loved, <laughs> I loved, um, I think Hangar 24 had one that was pretty easily available where I am in California. And I remember having that and just thinking it was an all day delicious delight. And I think they call it more of an amber sometimes. So I agree that that appreciation and identification of that style could use some growth. Cause I was tied for Hellas for my answer too, kind of in that vein a little bit. Um, that also would have been acceptable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but my my choice, the grand finale choice, I'm going to have to go with Hazy Pale. Okay. Not just because humble brag that was our gold medal at GABF this year, which was a huge deal for us. Um I am not the biggest haze lover. I do prefer clear personally myself, but I really appreciate haze. And the Hazy Pales that we've had this year just really let a lot more of that juicy fruit, crazy fruity character shine through even more so than the IPAs, um, the hazy IPAs I've had. And it's really something to think about how that flavor is coming from those ingredients. And I feel like they're just really shining in the pails. I also personally love the slightly lower ABV. So you have a little more space in the evening to have a few more beers if you want. Um, but I love a good pale ale, just straightforward, plain and simple, but the hazy pales, I, I love seeing what people are doing with those. You've all given us a lot of homework for the new year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can we more rap beer, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. See, there <laughs> it is. That just goes There's without the saying pander. There's the pander that I was looking for <laughs> in the whole thing. This the long con of just drink more Ralk beer, drink more Ovaltine. Um, <laughs> Cambria Jude, Lisa, Matthew, thank you for spending some time for uh, making great beer and for giving us all a lot to think about and a lot of cool things to be drinking and tasting. Thanks for, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. A reminder to check out winemag.com for the best beers of the year list and to subscribe to the magazine and read up on great wine, spirits, beer, travel, food related content. Also, go over to BeerEdge.com and stock up on all of your Defend Pilsner and Camp Rauk Beer merch needs. Everything ships from the podcast headquarters here, and if you order soon, you can be sipping eggnog out of quality glassware within days. 
just go to beeredge.com slash merch. As always, you can follow us on social media at The Beer Edge. And if you have questions, comments, guest suggestions, you can always reach out to me on social media. I'm on Twitter at John underscore Hall, or you can email me at John Hall, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at beeredge.com. And you can also join the Smoked Beer Conversation with other enthusiasts on the This Week in Rauk Beer Facebook page, or you can join us on Twitter and Instagram at TWRaukBeer. Thanks as always to the folks who help keeps the mics hot around here, including Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing Company's innovative process allows them to brew great tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to gold nails and more, they offer a full selection of beers starting at only 50 calories. Now you can keep your head clear and enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime, anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six packs or more. New customers can also get 10% off their entire order with code BEEREDGE10, limit one per customer. And we're also brought to you by Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy to use design tool, low quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code DRINKBEER15 for 15% off your first order. And we're also brought to you by NZ Hops, a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. With a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations, the current day master growers proudly provide 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd to learn more. A reminder to check out the Beer Edge podcast with Andy Crouch. Steal the Spear has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast drops on the 15th of every month. Back here, Nate Schweber, he performs our theme music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.